stand. Let's take our Bibles and look to Matthew chapter 10 today as we're beginning the close of this message that Jesus has preached that has been recorded so well for us in the 10th chapter of Matthew. We've been talking about the cost of being a gospel multiplier, and now we're going to talk about the rewards of being a gospel multiplier. So excited to be able to be in the, in the reward section, to be honest. Uh, the Lord spent 15 minutes or so preaching this message, and we've spent about five weeks talking about it and really are only scratching the surface. But it's good to be in this section. I'm grateful that, that God is a lavish, generous, amazingly gracious God to us, and that He, by duty alone for what He has done for us, should call us to join Him in His work and effort. But He doesn't just call us to duty. He calls us to favor that He might give us great rewards. And that's really what this text is going to be about today. So it's a, it's a great text for us to be involved in. If you remember, God the Father has sent His Son Jesus that He might redeem the world, that He might save the world through Him. This is the gospel as told in the gospel of John, the third chapter specifically. And it's not just that God has sent Jesus to the, Son, to the world to redeem the world, but that He would call us to be partnered with Him in that worldwide redemptive ministry which is what Jesus is doing. He's giving us the beginnings of this. He takes his disciples and divides them up in pairs and then commissions them to be gospel multipliers to make sure that the people around know that the kingdom of God is near and that it's in the midst of them. And as he's commissioning them, he tells them how that ministry is supposed to be about. And then he gives them some warnings about the ministry and the attack that will come against them. We talked about that a little bit last week, that although we initiate the gospel ministry in a spiritual way, it is often retaliated in a physical or emotional or financial way. And what we engage spiritually, the enemy engages in a different way. So Jesus gave us some warnings saying you ought to be on guard and you ought to be insightful that there is risk to being a gospel multiplier. And the risk is, is really threefold. It means potentially a diminishing of resources and possessions. It risks personal safety and security. And it is a potential friction between people that you love and yourself. Namely, he says, your family. Those who are in closest relationship to you will know your life in Christ. And they will see the demonstration of God's holiness and His glory. And they will hear His word like nobody else will. And if they're unsaved, be it a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, the in-laws, whatever it is, those who are close to you, if they're unsaved, they just may come against you. And Jesus is asking in the text right before the one we're in today, he's asking, will you love me more than you love them? Would you be willing to give everything? Which is what the baptistry is symbolizing. It's a denial of self. It's dying to everything in order to be alive in Jesus. Would you be willing to do that? Because for the people that will be willing to do that, he will give an eternal reward, which is all about this section that we're in. So let's look together in the 10th chapter of Matthew, beginning in verse 40. Jesus says, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Now, can I just reword that just in our current vernacular? Jesus is saying, when you go and you share the gospel, if they receive you in that, they're actually receiving me. And if they receive me, that means that they're actually receiving the Father in heaven who sent me. 
So he's helping us to get a greater understanding about what is taking place in the gospel multiplication. This is not about us. This is not about us growing a church. This is not about us winning people to Jesus. This is about us pointing people to Jesus, who in turn points people to the Father, and thereby glory is demonstrated. So Jesus is helping us to see that in verse 40. Then he gives us these rewards in verse 41. He says, the one who receives a prophet because he is a a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So I'm going to give three points today. In summary, I'm going to tell you about the reward of the gospel. I'm going to tell you about a multiplied reward of those who receive the gospel and share the gospel in life and word. And then I'm going to show you a multiplied reward for those who receive the gospel, share the gospel, and partner with others by acceptance and resourcing others who are engaged in gospel ministry. And all the while, Jesus is talking about building up rewards in our life. Now, remember... He could require it of us just out of duty. He has purchased us. We are slaves of righteousness, slaves of Christ Jesus. Our life has been totally submitted to Him. He could require every bit of this out of duty, but He doesn't. He motivates us with great eternal reward. And that is just expressing the generosity of God. The the great love heart of our Father who looks to give rewards for those who will pursue the things that He's calling us to pursue. So the first, as you see in your handout, is this. The reward of those who receive the gospel. So the gospel, the reward of the gospel really can be summed up in one phrase. Now We often, uh, in today's Christianity, the mixture of deception and such gets woven into the gospel message, which is not true. The gospel message is often promoted like, you don't want to die and go to hell, do you? You want to die and go to heaven, don't you? Pray this prayer and you can die one day and go to heaven. That's not the gospel. That's not what Christ has called us to. You know what Christ has called us to? Not a bountiful life. He's not called us to walk in a way of religion. Christ has called us to being unified with Him. If I were going to sum up the gospel in one thing, the reward of the gospel would be this. You get unified with Christ, and Christ is unified with you. That's the essence of the gospel. That we, we come together and unify And it's not that we're unifying with Christ more than Christ is unifying with us. We were once enemies of God, but Christ has made it with His unifying way. Christ has made it that we might be friends. I'll I'll tell you how that happens. Christ first unifies with us. The Bible word for that is baptize. It means to immerse. Christ first immerses into us. And He does it on the cross. In other words... 
Christ unifies with our sin. He comes in sync with us as we're sinners. He comes from a place of holiness, the one without sin, who never has sinned, comes to us and says, I will become that for you. And I will bear it on the cross so that all the wrath of God might be exercised against that sin that I bear for you. We are unified with him on the cross. But then it goes further. We are unified with him in the resurrection. Because not only does Christ take our sin and unify us in that death on the cross, but he gives us the newness of life in his resurrection. So we're unified him with that new life, that life that is resurrected from the grave, so that we can have a relationship with God and life eternal with God. So if I were going to say anything about the reward first of the gospel, it would be this. The great reward of the gospel is to be unified with Christ Jesus. In fact, you can sense that in the writings of the Apostle Paul throughout the the New Testament. As he's writing letters to churches, he often just celebrates this unification with Christ. One of those is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, out of the New Living. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So a lot of people will point others to the benefits of salvation and it's just like a sales job. You want that, don't you? No, what Christ has done is he says, I want to be unified with you and you to be unified with me, which means you have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to be unified with me and a cross. You have to be willing to follow me even when others are not. You unify with me and I'll unify with you. This is the way of Christianity. And the beauty is, he makes it possible for us to do that. So some might say, well, be saved and be blessed. I say, let the salvation be the unification that you have in Christ Jesus, and the blessings flow out of that. If you're looking for forgiveness, you'll find it in Christ. If you're wanting holiness, you'll find it in the unified Christ. If you want uh, sinlessness, you'll find it in the unified Christ. If you want fullness, wholeness of life, you'll find it in the unified Christ. So we seek Christ. He is the glory for whom we seek. It's He that is the expression, the Godhead, the physical figure of God. He's in bodily form. So we seek Him. Now the reward of the gospel is the presence of God in our lives. It's what it is to be unified, to have the presence of God in our lives. In fact, when the announcement was made about Christ coming, God incarnate in the flesh, the announcement was, and he will be called Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So the beauty of salvation and the reward of salvation is that God is with us and we are unified with him by being made right Declared right, declared holy with him. So the reward is his glorious presence. But it's not just that we have the reward. It's that we have the reward and we want others to have the reward as well. We want to engage people in this way of the gospel to communicate it with them. So that's the second point. Those who receive the gospel certainly have their reward. But those who receive and share the gospel are rewarded as well. And I would say a manifold reward, a greater reward. So to join Christ in his redemptive ministry is to know him more fully and to experience him more uh, fully with joy and glory. 
what I mean by that is God did not hold back any of the, the experience of Christ until you become obedient to share the gospel. God didn't do that. But if you really want to know Christ and the fullness that Christ is, then you're going to engage Him. You're going to engage in the ministry that He's engaged in. You're going to have the same message as Him. And you'll be in the same places as Him. Some of the greater relationships that we have at church are from those relationships where we partner together in life. Where we go on mission together. Where we serve at Open Hands or Way of the Cross. Where you're side by side with people on a regular basis and you're ministering the grace and the love and the the mission of Christ. And in that ministry, you become greatly relational with those people. In fact, it would be unlike any other opportunity that you would have here at Meadowbrook. In your life group or in a mission focus, you will get a greater depth of relationship in those places. Coming and going into worship is great. We are We are to do that. We ought to love to do that. We ought to gather together all the time, every week to do that. But if you really want to be in a relationship, you work side by side in kingdom work with somebody. It's the same way with Christ. If you really want to know him more fully, more deeply, then you go where Christ is ministering. And where Christ is ministering is the places where grace and mercy and forgiveness and truth and justice are all being applied. You come to where he is. And in those places, you will come to know him more expressly and more fully in the joy and the glory that he provides. So we share him. And as we share him, we will receive reward. But now before we get into the rewards, let me, let me just mention this because I think there's a, a shift in thinking that we might want to concentrate on. Oftentimes when I'm thinking about gospel ministry, I'm thinking about me and somebody else. I'm thinking about me communicating to them. That's a very narrowed way to view it. And can I just be honest? It moves to thwart the ministry that I'm called to do when I view in that way. Because when it's just me and them, then oftentimes in my flesh, I'll think things like this. Well, at the end of this conversation with you and them, Randy, you're either going to experience acceptance or rejection. You're either going to experience success or failure. You're either going to experience happiness or unhappiness. Now that might move me to not engage. What I think we ought to do, and I believe what Jesus is calling us to do in verse 40, is to think more broadly. To see beyond you and the person, or me and the person, and see it in God in the mix of it. So, When we think about the gospel itself, we recognize that the message of the gospel is actually rooted in the heart of love of God. For in God's heart of love, he wishes that none would perish. When we think about the expression of the gospel, we recognize the provision of salvation is actually in Christ Jesus. And the power of salvation comes from the Holy Spirit. So if I'm thinking or you're thinking about gospel ministry as you and them without thinking of the heart of God, the provision of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss it all together. What God wants us to do is to think of us and them as an ambassador to the one who needs the message from the heart of the Father with the power of the Holy Spirit through the provision of Jesus Christ. 
And when I think that way and you think that way, that way then the results are up to God. The message is up to God. The, the heart of the individual is up to God and the individual. And we, we sort of take the load off of us where it should never have been. It's always on God. It's always on His Spirit and it's always on His Son. So Jesus says it this way. Whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives my Father. I think what the Spirit might be saying to me personally and maybe to some of you is, why did you put yourself in the middle like that? Should not the one who provided it put himself in the middle? Why don't you just point to him? Why don't you just point him out and leave the results to him? This isn't about your acceptance or your rejection or your success or your unsuccessfulness. This is about Christ. This is about the heart of God. This is about the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we stir in this way and live out the expressions of the gospel and say it with words, God says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you for that. And the reward is you'll know more of the joy and the glory of Christ. Have you ever pointed out Jesus, shared the scripture in a way that Jesus was lifted up, just sort of revealed And the person, by the movement of the Holy Spirit, begins to move in faith towards Christ. And you find them surrendering their life to Christ. And suddenly things are starting to change. You watch with your eyes and hear with your ears someone who is spiritually dead come to life. You see a broken individual come to wholeness in Jesus Christ. You see a sinner be transformed into a saint. And I'm telling you, when you experience those moments, the reward is, wow, God, you just gave me opportunity to be right in the midst of what you were doing. It's a grand reward. You just need to taste that. You taste it, that flavor won't go away without you craving more of it. I encourage you, move in gospel ministry by sharing the gospel. Live it out openly And speak it out openly as well. But then there's a third. The third layer of this great reward. And that is for those who receive, share, and support gospel ministers. There's great reward. Now let me just give you the heads up. We are all gospel ministers. This is not about the preacher. This is not about the staff. This is not about somebody on platform alone. We are all gospel ministers. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter the profession that you have, the degree or lack of degree that you you have. We are all gospel ministers. We all have abilities to to, uh, give the gospel, to minister in the gospel. And, And I would say you have greater propensity to experience the glory of Christ as you're doing that. In fact, there are substantial rewards for the person who is obedient to the gospel ministry. Uh, Two or three weeks ago, we gave you this as who we are as gospel ministers. We said, first, we are people who go. And as we go, we make disciples. And we baptize them in the name of the Lord, Jesus. And and we teach them the things that Christ has taught us. And and we say things. We say things like the kingdom of God God is at hand. It's here. It's in Jesus. And we point to Jesus being the, the doorway to that. And we do things. We love God. We love people. And we live authentically before them. All for the glory of Christ. All right, so it does not make a difference what your job is. This is not about a title. This is not about a position. This is about life as a gospel multiplier. 
Wherever it is that you go, whatever it is that you do, the employer you have, the school you attend, it's all about, am I demonstrating a love for God and a love for people? Am I living authentically before them in Christ so that he might be glorified? Am I communicating the name of the Lord Jesus here and among the nations? Am I making disciples? Am I leading them to be immersed into Christ? And am I teaching them the things of Christ? You can do that anywhere. And I would encourage us to do, the, do so. For when that happens, God rewards us. But it's more than that. It's even rewarding beyond us being obedient. It's us coming alongside of others who are obedient, engaging them in a way that we share their reward. Now listen, it's pretty crazy good that we get the gospel and the reward of the gospel, which is Jesus. It's pretty crazy good that we get to engage the gospel in a way that we experience joy and glory from Christ in an exponential way. And it's crazy good that we can do our ministry wherever we are and whatever we do. But it's crazy, crazy good when he says, and I'll give you the rewards of other people if you just accept them and invest into them resources so that they can carry out their business. That's just really good. Now, notice that he says this isn't about titles. This is not about positions. Who are we talking about here, Randy? Well, verse 41 and 42 mentions three. Three. There they are. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. That's two. Peace out. Three. Three groups. And the first is this, the prophet. Now, in case you think I'm about to put myself up a little bit, I want to remind you that we're all prophets. He's not talking about prophets as, as the disciples knew prophets in their day when the prophets were about to begin leading the church. And the prophets were the communicators of God. God has given us the word now through prophets and apostles, and we have it written down. Blessed be the name of the Lord for that. Now we have his word, and now though, prophet literally means one who speaks from above. One who hears the word of God, which is given to us in this scripture, and communicates it to other people. So I would say, in light of the church today, in the 21st century, the prophets are people who know God's word and communicates God's word. That's the first one. The second one is the righteous person. This is the person who has received righteousness in Christ and lives out the righteousness of Christ. We live out the new nature of holiness that dwells within us, of righteousness, means that we're choosing to live rightly before God and other people, empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. That's the second person. The third person is, and I'm going to have to look, the third person. Oh, the, the, the least of these. Uh, ESV says it a little bit different. It says the little ones. And those are the disciples that may not be on platform. They're doing things that people would say, oh, they're like the least of these. Hey, by the way, There are two people that are proclaiming God's word right now. This message is being preached simultaneously. I'm doing it live, and there was another person that was recording in that room where that glass is. They were recording right there. And what God is saying is that you can support, accept and report, accept and resource the person who is proclaiming the word on platform. And get his reward alongside of him. And you can do the same thing to the least of these that you don't even see. Who is doing the same thing. You can 
resource him and you can encourage him. Assuming it's a him in there, it might be a her. You can resource that person and God will give you that person's reward as well. The prophet, the righteous one, the least of these. And God, by the way, is not a divider. God is a multiplier. It's not like if five of you say, oh, I'm going to support the person that's recording the service and streaming it out. And and God says, okay, I'm going to take that reward and divide it by five. No, no, no. God's a multiplier. He says he gets the reward, you get the reward, you get the reward, you get the reward, you get the reward, and you get the reward. He multiplies it. That's the graciousness of our God. The generous God that we serve that is looking to multiply this great ministry and thereby multiply the people who engage in that ministry. I know a lot of people. I shouldn't just point out the one that's in there. Some of you just came from life group. Your life group people were engaged in gospel ministry today. If you had a life group teacher teaching God's word, you had someone praying, you had someone greeting, you had somebody encouraging, you had somebody that was doing something. We had people that were making coffee, and all God's people said amen to that. All those people are engaged in gospel ministry. When you drove up on the parking lot today, there were gospel ministers out there greeting you. And when you walked towards the door, there were people opening the doors and greeting you, trying to love on you. You know why? Because they're gospel ministers. And when you have somebody that's ushering you to a seat or passing the plate, those are gospel ministers, my friend. Whether they're in the choir, they're on the preaching platform or in the media booth or wherever they are. Maybe they're in the nursery right now. Maybe they're in extended care. Maybe they just taught our students over in the student area. Those are all gospel ministers in a very organized way. And then there's a whole lot more ministry that goes on every day that's not organized by this church. And that is the way God wants it to be. So you're side by side with someone. And they are the righteous one in your workplace. Do they know that you accept them and that you support them? You're a teacher and some student comes into your classroom And that student lives differently than the other students, intentional about who they are in Christ. Are you accepting and supporting and resourcing them? If so, you get the righteous person's reward. And there's the least of these that do things that probably people don't recognize or don't notice or maybe seem insignificant. Are you helping them? Are you encouraging them? If so, the Lord says you'll receive the little one's reward. Even if it's just a cup of water. If it's done with this heart. If I want to support you. I want to resource you. I want to encourage you. Then the Lord gives great rewards to people who do those things. So we should pay attention to those who are around us. At school, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our families. We should be very careful to pay attention to the gospel multipliers. We should be those people And we should be helping those people, encouraging them, accepting them, and resourcing them so that they might carry on their great gospel ministry. All right, let's frame this in some questions, and then we'll draw it to a conclusion. Have you received the gospel's reward? Are you unified as one in Christ? You say, I don't know about one with Christ, Randy. I've been coming to church for a while. No, 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 no. I don't know, Randy. I, I want to go to heaven. I, I want to live differently. No, 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 no. 
Are you one with Christ? Have you surrendered yourself so that you might be new as one in Christ? Because when you become one with Christ, you get heaven. When you become one with Christ, you get righteousness. When you become one with Christ, you get God. You get the treasure of heaven. You get the inheritance of heaven. The Bible says you get God himself. Have you surrendered and become one with Christ? You say, Randy, I've done a lot of things, but I don't know that I've done that. Then the reward is available to you. Come. Receive your reward of surrendering your life taking up your cross, denying yourself, following after Jesus. And the reward will be God with you. You, one with Him. So the question would be, have you received the reward of the gospel, united with Christ? The second one would be this, are you sharing your reward with others in active ministry? Now, some people might say, well, Randy, I'm willing to receive the gospel, but I don't know about sharing the gospel. Let me just say they come packaged. To receive the gospel is to receive the gospel call. And I would say, if you are unwilling to be a gospel sharer, it's because you have been unwilling to have the gospel in you. For the one who has received the gospel is the one who wants others to have the gospel. When you receive love, when you receive forgiveness, when you receive mercy, when you receive life, when you receive wholeness, it just makes sense that you would want others to receive it as well. Are you sharing? And Maybe you've been silenced. Maybe you've been muted because you've narrowed down the focus to the gospel ministry as me and them. My friends, 2 Corinthians says it clearly. We are ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. It's his message. Can he count on us? Now, when we do that, then we're rewarded. What's the reward? A greater understanding of joy and glory in Christ. All right, here's the third question. Are you looking to the reward of Christ as your motivator for gospel multiplication. In other words, this is not just out of duty. This is out of generosity. Are you allowing the rewards that Christ has given to us be the motivational factor for you? Now, the reason why that's important is because if you don't think of it in this way, you will not be thinking of it in the eternal sphere. You'll be thinking of it in the temporary. What might I lose? What relationships might break? What positions might I not get? But when you think of it in the eternal reward scope, then all that which is temporary will not hold you back to receive all the reward that is eternal. Now, the fourth is this. Who can you bless this week who is engaged in ministry? Someone who speaks God's word, makes it known to others, a righteous person or a disciple. Who is that one person today that you can do? A blessing a great resource, join with them, pray with them, encourage them, send them a text, call them, thinking about you today and just want to champion you in your gospel ministry. What about Monday? 
What about this week? Who will God put in your path that you might bless in a way? And the reward will be you receive their reward with them. Is God not great? Is he not good to give us opportunity like that?